In October of 1984, a B-52 crashed on the south side of Monument Valley. The son of one of our, of our engineer came running into my friend's apartment and I was sitting in there and he told us that uh, I just saw a big explosion, I think a plane crashed and we we're all like, right. Yeah, sure right. he did. Uh-huh, <laughs> right. And, um, and then a little while later, um, somebody else came in and said, oh, what's going on up there? Oh, I saw a big explosion and we're like, oh. And then Dave called us and said the fire department, I mean, the police department said uh, they want us on standby. What we knew was that there had been some kind of a plane crash. So we started heading up. We had flares with us and everything, and we yeah. just kept driving. And the police just kept waving us through. And then eventually we started going through these sand dunes. And, you know, I'm looking at my friend Dean and saying, are we going to Hunts Mesa? Because Hunts Mesa is, it's like a four-wheel drive trip that you take. It's an old mining road. Okay. And it goes to the south side of Monument Valley. And then you look down on Monument Valley. We're driving through the sand. And then there's suddenly there's this giant jet engine laying in the sand. Oh, wow. And, you know, you kind of look at each other and go, well, that's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> the radar navigator had crushed legs. It was cold night, and it was yeah. kind of intermittently snowing, so they they kind of started a fire next to each person, and then the, he was some kind of uh, navigator, but not radar. Um, he was laying in boulders, and he had some burns, and then like a, maybe a broken elbow or something like that. And then there was a guy in the car. I was standing by a guy for a long time who was standing by the, the guy that was burned. I thought he was a Navajo police officer because he was wearing a Navajo police jacket. Yeah. And then I looked down at his pants and realized he was he was one of the flight crew. Yeah. He was actually the, the pilot. Oh, wow. And he, he was, uh, I know his neck was real stiff, but he was, uh, he was less injured than some of the others. Uh -huh. So there were uh, three people missing. They found one across, there was a valley and then another ridge. They found one there. He was unconscious, but alive. They found one that had uh, been killed by debris in, in his ejection. The guy said, okay, that's everybody. And we were like, you said there were seven. And he said, well, the seventh guy went down with the plane because he didn't have an ejection seat. Okay. He was an observer. The C-130 is flying around us and it's dropping flares and the whole area would turn orange. You know, you're out in the, the high desert, yeah. you know, in the rocks and that. Yeah. It, was, it was the most surreal evening. The rescue helicopter, which I would call a Huey, I don't know if it was, but came in from Kirtland. Dave and John and the, Dr. Reese were across the way with Doug Schwartz, who was the co-pilot, and um, they radioed me and said, go tell the helicopter they need to come over here. I'm, you know, the doctor was triaging and said, this guy needs to go out first. I scramble up through the rocks and I've got like long blonde braids and I'm, yeah. I, I guess I was in my 30s by then, but you know, I'm not very tall. And I go up to these big military guys and said, eh, go over there, they said, go over there, you know, and <laughs> they listened to me yeah. and I said, Two of those guys are Vietnam veterans, and they, they're telling me, you can land over there. And so they flew over there, and they picked up Doug, and then they came back, and then they loaded everybody else up, and then they flew off. And yeah. then it was, like, quiet. And, the, you know, the flares stopped, and you're in the dark, and you're like, what just happened? Debbie Braff has been seen all over the place lately. 
We just enjoyed the annual Riverfest event, and Debbie was on the show to promote it. She also went on the mayor's table to promote it. And now she's back again. Why did I have her back so soon? It's because of something she said in passing during her last appearance on Ken's Think Tank. When I met Debbie, I had no idea that she used to be a firefighter. And I certainly had no idea that she was Arizona's very first female fire chief. What? <laughs> Debbie grew up a Texas girl who moved to Kayenta, Arizona to be a school teacher. While there, she joined their local search and rescue team and finally joined the Kayenta Volunteer Fire Department. She did great, and when the fire chief left, she was elected as the new fire chief. She helped him get a brand new fire department and has some amazing firefighter stories. I'm going to stick her in the truck and have her tell us all about it. Want to see how it goes? Come along for the ride in Ken's Think Tank. Ken's Think Tank is made possible by the following sponsors. Do you need HVAC services or a tankless water heater? Four States Equipment. Whether it's residential or commercial, Four States Equipment has it all. Parts and equipment, sales and service. From restaurant equipment to heating and air conditioning, visit fourstatesequipment.com. Ken Collins Marketing. It's simple. We help small business owners get more customers. Show our sponsors some love. If you're watching the video, show us some love by smashing the like button. And remember, the views and opinions expressed on Ken's Think Tank do not necessarily reflect those of our sponsors. I just had you on the show. You did? I feel like I have a publicist. <laughs> yeah, so you were just on um, talking about Riverfest, which by the time this airs, while we're recording it, it's about to happen. Um, by the time this airs, Riverfest will already have taken place um, over Memorial Day weekend. And that is a huge undertaking. It is. Yeah. That's a big event. So that event um, is one that has caught the attention of the state and it's of importance to them in their outdoor recreation efforts and their tourism efforts, right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, lots of work. So, so right now you're still in the stress of it, but <laughs> by the time this airs and you get to watch this video and just be calm about it and not have to worry about Come it. Come on, have another, a margarita as I listen. Two months now, at least. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but while I had you on the show, you mentioned a thing that just perked my, perked my attention that, um, you were Arizona's first fire chief. Female, 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 female fire, fire chief. chief. Right. Yeah. You're not from, are you from Arizona? No, I actually grew up in Dallas. Oh, okay. And then somehow you ended up in Yuma. You were, you no, were a school. No, not Yuma. Oh, nope. nope. I was in Kayenta. Kayenta. I was in Kayenta for it was 27 Yuma? years. Wow. Yeah. But you were a school teacher. I was a school teacher. Yeah. And is that what took you to Kanta? It is. When I finished my student, I did my student teaching in Dallas. Okay. And I had first gone to Kanta when I was, I think, just turning 13 on yeah. a family vacation. I don't know. Something about it resonated with me. Yeah. And when I, I went to college at the University of California, Irvine. So okay. every year was traveling back and forth from Dallas to Irvine and back. 
I would start looping up through Kayenta. Yeah. And I would take a Jeep trip every time I went because I love Jeep trips. I don't know. When I when I finished student teaching, it's actually the only place I applied. And I thought it might be, you know, adventure for a couple of years. And then, yeah. like three decades later, I moved to Farmington. Wow. So what was it that brought you to Farmington from there? Um, I needed to live closer to a Walmart. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to an age where, you know, that 135-mile that drive each yeah. way yeah. on a weekend to... Uh, come into town and get your hair cut or go to a movie or go right. to the mall whatever it was getting old yeah and um it was just time no. i actually just woke up one morning in march of 1999 and it was like an epiphany and said it's time to move time to go wow yeah it was kind of kind of weird no real big uh event or no or a job move or anything it no. was just I actually came here without a job, which yeah. was the only reckless thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> uh, but it worked out. So. Now, did you start teaching when you when you got here to Farmington? No, actually, when I the last eight years I was in Kanta, I was an elementary school principal. Oh, okay. And so I the first year I was here, I was an assistant principal at Central Primary in Bloomfield, and the following year I was hired as principal of Heights. So I was at Heights okay. for four years. Um, when they asked if I would consider going to Apache because it's the only majority Native American school in, in Farmington School District. And that was my ex background experience. Okay. So I moved to Apache until I retired. So you're hanging out in Kienta. You're just young girl. Yep. And you're thinking, oh, I've got some time on my hands. I'll uh, I'll join the, the the fire department. It wasn't quite like that. <laughs> I, I actually because I did go out there with a four wheel drive. I didn't get my jeep yet, but yeah. but I had a, a, inter, a 1970 International Scout, and one of the guys who had been driving the tours over the years, who knew me by then, said you should join the Navajo County Search and Rescue. So I did join the Navajo County Search and Rescue, and I will say we never once went on a search or a rescue. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the, probably the second year I was there, which would have been maybe 74, 73, 74, something, one of the teachers who I would describe as an uppity women's libber um, <laughs> read a, like a little newsletter thing from uh, Pete Peterson, who owned Kanta Motors, and he was the fire chief, okay. saying that if there, you know, we're always looking for volunteers, if there's any man who'd like to be on the volunteer fire department, you know, to contact him. And so she decided she wanted to make a statement, but she didn't right. want to do it by herself. So right. she said, would you, uh, would you, would you consider that? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, yeah. I was 23 years old or something, <laughs> and it was like, why not? And so I joined, and I can honestly say none of us had a clue what we were doing. And ironically, a couple of years later, a hose, uh, kind of an old hose broke, and it flipped up and it hit her on the arm and oh. you know, bruised her arm, yeah. and her husband made her quit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I stayed. I stayed. And so, you know, I, I remember the very first fire call that we got, because it, it was like a phone tree. Yeah. Um, I stopped. It was, I was already in bed, so I got dressed, put on earrings. <laughs> I just, yeah, it was just a force of habit. And I was like, okay, that was really kind of stupid. <laughs> and then um, one of the first, so I think that was the first fire. It was, uh, they called up and said, there's a fire at Westress. And they're about to hang up. But I was like, where is Westress? <laughs> and um, they said it was at the highway department. It was a highway patrolman's house. It was a trailer. 
and it was a, it was kind of a stupid question too because once I got out of where I lived, the entire hill right. was lit up, and right. it was like, oh, that must be the fire <laughs> there with all the big flames. Yeah. And uh, because he was highway, highway patrolman, um, and he had a shed full of ammunition, so we oh. spent most of the fire like cowering behind the fire yeah. truck. Uh, although they were all in boxes, so nothing actually okay. penetrated, but right. that was an adventure. And then we had a, um, a fire at the old hotel and lodge, probably built in the 20s or 30s, I, and think it wasn't being used. Maybe there was a cafe there. And I just remember standing there, and you know, they just poured water in there until pretty much it was coming out windows. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there, uh, nobody really knew much about fire science. There is a science to it. And right. uh, there was a young man who was working, I think, as a mechanic at one of the gas stations uh, who I believe lives in Kirtland to this day. And his name is Daryl Boss. And Daryl, if you're out there or anybody is, tell him hi. And he was a couple years older than me. And he had fire training. And he began training us. He began teaching us fog or hose uh, nozzle patterns, you know, and sure. things like that. And um, so one night there was a fire up on what they call the hill. I'd call it a bootlegger house. Nobody was living in it. It was like a little 10 by 10 house probably. Right. And um, flames just blasting out the window. And I had, you know, because Daryl had taught us, I had geared up. And he saw that I had geared up because a lot of people hadn't. And so he got behind me. He's a good foot taller than I am. Uh, he was a big guy. Yeah. And um, he got behind me and he started teaching me. And he, he was saying, okay, go ahead and, um, you know, keep walking. And we're, you know, we're walking closer in this fire. It's just flaming out this window. Yeah. And he'd keep walking. And, I, you know, I'm like this at this point. And, you know, he said he had me open the, the nozzle and then uh, put it on a fog pattern yeah and uh we continued to walk up once you have a fog pattern you're kind of protected and then uh you put the hose inside the window and did like three counterclockwise sweeps and the fire went out like that wow and i was like holy crap <laughs> we don't have to turn them we into don't have balls? to just fill it yes exactly <laughs> and that was that was like my oh my gosh i cannot believe this is yeah. exciting what was the the, the science behind it, was it basically just reducing the amount of oxygen in there, replacing it with water? Yes. With a fog pattern? Yeah, the fog pattern is, yeah, it's doing two things. It's reducing the oxygen. It's also lowering, lowering the temperature oh, as it right. vaporizes. Um, but I think it's mostly the air thing. Yeah. So I always liked school, and I always uh -huh. liked learning. Oh, yeah. So I just sort of soaked it up. Yeah. And uh, Arizona had a state fire school every September. And we started, because of Daryl's encouragement of training and right. that, we started going down to the state fire school to learn those kinds of things. Uh, you, you know, you need to understand building construction so right. that you understand how a building collapses sure. yeah. and where it'll collapse. And, you, you, there's, I can, you know, there's just a jillion things that I can think of um, that you need to know. And I, I think back to those, those early days uh, before Daryl really uh, began training us. That basically, when we would when we would uh, have a, a a training session, it would amount to everybody sitting there and looking at the fire truck, which was a 1959 Seagraves, and trying to figure out how to work it. <laughs> and uh, I and I think it was the lady, uh, the uppity women's liber. I think because she was one of those that was a very tedious thinker. Sure. She had written out these long directions, which were in plastic on the on the side. So it's you know you go to fire 
part one, you do this, and, <laughs> right. you know, whatever. And, you know, eventually you learn, basically, you have water comes in from a hydrant, because this didn't have a tank in right. it, you know. Water comes in from a hydrant, you open the valve to that, it goes into the truck, and then it has to go out the discharge, and you have a valve for that. And, you know, once you kind of understand that, right. you can pretty much look at any fire truck and have a general idea okay. of, of how it's going to work. You know, and then there's you know, other things you need to learn, like the the size of lines and why you would use them, and the types of nozzles and when you would use them, and, right. and so on, and um, whether it's safe to go in inside a building or whether you need to uh, fight from the outside. Right. It's called offensive or defensive. Okay. And um, so there's just a lot to learn. We started inviting uh, the trainers from the state fire school to come up to Kayenta to do like regional trainings. Okay. And we were notoriously uh, famous because we entertained them while they were there because, you know, otherwise they're going to sit in a in a motel room with right. the two and a half channels that we had back in those days. <laughs> right. And so we would take them out to Monument Valley or various other places and do a steak cookout, drink a little beer. And um, they were they were dying to come to Kayanta. You know, they fought over the assignments. Hey, can we do the next training? You know, <laughs> and so got to know those guys really well. And they they were uh, because the, by this time Daryl had left Kayanta. I think moved back over here. You know, they were they took up uh, in that in that position of training us yeah. and teaching us uh, how to do things. And thanks to all the training we got, we got really good at what we were doing. And yeah. we. And we uh, learned how to, um, uh, you know, to gear up. We weren't wearing protective gear originally. Right. You just went out there in your coat and pants and sure. uh, and, <laughs> and filled the building full of water. Right. And so we had protective gear. We had air packs. Uh, we started doing things the way they were supposed to be done. Right. And for safety, et cetera. And eventually we're able to get... Now, Kianta, it was a... It was a, the fire department was actually a nonprofit, and people okay. paid for fire protection. And mostly, thank God for some of the businesses and the school district, right. which pretty much paid the bulk of of the expenses. Nowadays, uh, Kayenta's fire department is uh, part of. Well, I think it's kind of part of their township, but it's also part of the Navajo Division of Public Safety. Okay. So they have beautiful equipment, equipment I only fantasized about <laughs> back in those days. But after we we had our 59 Seagraves, and then we got a, oh, an Air Force crash truck. Yeah. Uh, that thing was horrible. It was a dinosaur. I mean, it was literally like a dinosaur to <laughs> yeah. drive. But at least it was a second fire truck. And then we had a pickup truck, which was, which was a quote-unquote quick attack that had a um, a pump mounted on the back. Oh, okay. So that you could, you know, like for uh, car fires or or, right. or uh, brush fires or things like that, you could uh, could get to because the other two trucks didn't really have water tanks. Right. Um, eventually, we were able to buy a, a a used fire truck in San Diego. We were um, in a the uh, kind of like a lean-to add-on to a school district warehouse it had no it had a dirt floor and i remember one time uh when we were putting we were getting the truck out for training and opening one of the compartments and there was a mouse nest there with little mice in it yeah. and you know you just want to cry because you're like this is this is this is sad so in 1984 i think it was um i came across a community development block grant and wrote the grant 
for a fire station. Okay. And fortunately, we had a real go-getter uh, council delegate at the time. And I, he and I worked together, and he did the pushing, and I did the writing. Yeah. And um, we were able to get a fire station, which was dedicated um, in the spring of, of maybe 1986. And in the interim, so in 1985, our fire chief, uh, Dave Wanika, moved to Kirtland. Uh, it was at that point that I took over as chief. And we had sent out a... Um, publicity thing to various, I think nowadays we'd call them stakeholders, but to various entities about uh, Dave's uh, uh, leaving in the years that he spent in, uh, with right. the fire department and some of the achievements during his tenure and whatever. One of those was sent to the Daily Times uh, because we had actually had some Farmington firefighters go do training in Kanta, oh, a yeah. couple of the state fire school things that we had. And um, and also because Dave was going to be in Kirtland, I wanted the Valley Fire District right. to know that. Tori Adams was a was a reporter for the Daily Times, and I guess she called up the state fire marshal first, and then she called me up and asked me some questions, and then she did uh, an article, and that's where I learned that I was Arizona's first female fire chief because I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. One way or the other, but when we went to fire school that September. The state fire marshal, who was a very good friend of mine anyway, uh, was doing the opening speech at the fire school. It's like 700 fire people there. He, I had a horrible sinus infection, allergy-wise, you know, September. Yeah. And um, I just remember, you know, kind of being inside my own head. And uh, one of my captains uh, elbowed me and said, he's talking about you. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh. And so he introduced me as Arizona's first female fire chief. So I was, I was like famous when we walked into bars during yeah. that fire school. People would turn and point, you know, hey, yeah. what's that lady fire chief? Nice. But, but it wasn't, you know, it was never an issue in Kanta. We all... You'd all been when, working together. Yeah, know when, each other. when, you know, firemen talk about the brotherhood. And, you know, you really do, without it being dramatic, you really do rely on each other. Yeah. For safety and for your yeah, life, absolutely. And and so yeah, we had established trust with each other. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And so then, after a couple of years of being fire chief, they invited me to be on the Arizona State Fire Training Committee, and that's the group that put together uh, the fire school. And I was thrilled about that. Yeah. And then in '91, I I left the fire department. I like to build things and I don't like to maintain them. Yeah. And I felt like all the goals that I had set for the fire department, uh -huh. I had kind of reached and I didn't really. Yeah. I felt kind of drifty and I thought they need, you know, they need to move on. I, I let them know like six months ahead of time that at the end of the year, 91, I would, uh, I would be stepping down so that they could, you know, come up with new officers sure. and, and so on. And and they did and it, it kind of worked out because in the summer of 91 i got a job as principal there's yeah. no way i could have done both right right absolutely no way now how long was it from the time that you started um there until the time you became chief um 11 years okay i think is that a reasonable time frame or is it normally take somebody it kind of depends on maybe where you are right yeah probably i i have no no clue you know i i I didn't have ambitions to be just kind of happen much of anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it always just kind of happens for yeah. me. Um, 
you know, I loved working with Dave. Dave and I were we were great partners. We worked very well together. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I if he had stayed there, I would have been more than happy to continue to be his assistant. Right. And uh, uh, when, but when he left, it was like, okay, well, I, I guess it's my turn now. <laughs> yeah. It's well, a. I always I always want to say, you know, it's another <laughs> long 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 ago in a galaxy yeah. far far away. You yeah. know, it was in in another lifetime. I was a firefighter. That's know? what I say. I've I've lived a few different lives, you know, and that was like one of your lives where, where you were a, a firefighter and a and a fire chief and and all that. And well, that's amazing, man. I mean, you you're just really cool. I mean, you're just this cool, like <laughs> like all the elements, right? You're smart. You're really personable. You're direct. Oh, you're goodness. you know you just all this stuff and um, and as you start piecing the pieces to your story together, it all starts to make sense. Like, oh well, that's why. I mean, you're just this mostly fearless person that just this is what's got to be done. Let's do this and and uh and get it done oh, so you're, you're yeah. embarrassing me <laughs> I, I you know but i, I yeah you you just uh you, when i was principal at heights the kids would say god you're cool miss braff and i was like i was a science nerd <laughs> I, i'm not cool miss braff but yeah, i've never but been cool i've never been cool <laughs> so for you to sit there and go oh yeah i'm like, just whatever uh, anyway. no somewhere along the line you became cool oh okay. so. <laughs> i guess it all depends on your audience yeah oh man well this was fun you thank can. you for riding with me yeah. again yes please don't call for a while yeah <laughs> give me a break yeah really. well can, can, give, give my fans a break yeah. like, oh, geez. ken's think tank is made possible with help from these fine sponsors basin home health and hospice I know who you are. I know what you want. If you're looking for print and radio ads, I can tell you that's not what I do. But I do have a particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a godsend for business owners like you. If you hire Ken Collins Marketing to build your website, people who look for you online will be able to find you. But if you don't, they will look for you. They won't find you. And you'll go out of business. KenCollinsMarketing.com